0: Hey everyone, this is Aspet Bedrosyan.
1: And hey, this is Hovik Manucharyan.
0: And we're talking with Gev Izgadyan on the latest conditions and events during the Artsakh blockade. Gev is with the ANC in Artsakh, nagorno Karabakh. He lives in Stepanagerd. Today is March 19, 2023. This is the 98th day of the Artsakh blockade. Good evening, Gev. How are you holding up over there? I'm
1: doing well. Good evening, guys.
0: Hey, good evening, Gev. Nice to hear you again. Yeah, definitely. Give it's been almost a week. Actually, it's been a week since we talked. Give us a a quick rundown of the situation with the food, electricity, gas, uh, weather for us. So just a quick
2: rundown in terms of food, energy, gas. For the most part, we've been sticking to the same regime with the blackouts. They're still ongoing. The gas was actually cut off for a few days last week, but it's currently... uh, back on now from the last I checked, which was today. And uh, we've seen some pretty, and I would say, welcome rainfall. And I think we'll go into this topic a little bit because the Sarsank Reservoir has been running dry for a while now. So hopefully that helps out a little bit.
0: Yeah. Gev, is the gas on fully or is it rationed?
2: As of now, it's back on fully.
1: Well, uh, Gev, I'm going to go from the top of my head and just mention a few things that happened this week. You can pick and choose what you want to talk about next. For instance, uh, this week we saw more shootings at civilians and farm workers as Azerbaijan continues to put pressure even on civilians uh, conducting their daily lives. We also uh, saw some news from the Artsakh Parliament where Aray Khalid party's proposed law uh, actually proposed constitutional amendments to allow for appointment of president in times of emergency. Uh, was approved in the first reading, and next reading, week there is a second reading. Uh, what do you think about that? And lastly, I think there is more tension from Azerbaijan all around, uh, including you know, reports of accumulation of forces. Azerbaijan, for instance, this propaganda in Azerbaijan, today, this week focused on recognizing everyone in Artsakh who participated in the defense forces of Artsakh as terrorists. So a lot of things going on. None of them would hint to good faith negotiations by Azerbaijan. So I wanted to get your thoughts on some of these issues. Which one do you think is most prescient? So I think all of them in a way
2: are tied together. The first issue with uh, some of the recent ceasefire violations, which are seemingly almost every day now, we used to see that, you know, once a week, once a month. Now, almost every other day, we hear of shootings into Marduni, Mardagir, Askeran, and then two weeks ago with the ambush in Stepanagert, and then to your last point, the threat of war seems a bit closer now than usual. Uh, both in terms of their escalation of violence, uh, some of the propaganda that they're putting out, and some of their troop movements. In terms of uh, how that connects into the parliamentary resolution, the constitutional amendment, I think as the possibility of war rises here, part of the political force's responsibility is to make sure that we have a contingency plan no matter what if anything does happen to the president or any representative here during a time of war we have to have the political capacity and the constitutional reforms to be able to appoint a new president now i'm not too naive to think that there aren't you know political implications behind this or other reasonings but in terms of statecraft and how you want to form your constitution especially during times of martial law i think it is an important amendment to have
0: Gev, you uh, said that the president could be incapacitated. I'll go out on limb and ask, is there any evidence that Arai Karutunyan is preparing or is interested in resigning, which have been the rumors in the media?
2: So, yeah, and to be honest, those are rumors that we've heard previously and, and we've heard recently as well. To be honest, in terms of a change in the leadership of the government, especially through the formation of a new election, I think is unlikely, and for a variety of reasons, both for like what the government and what the state needs to spend its resources on to the political implications internationally and with Azerbaijan. So even if Harutunyan were interested in uh, resigning, I see it as very unlikely uh, that happening now as the conditions currently are.
1: Yeah. So I guess after the second reading, after the constitutional amendment passes the second reading it will go to the Constitutional Court. Uh From one perspective, I don't know the intricacies of the Parliament proposing and passing a constitutional amendment uh, without a referendum, but maybe, maybe the laws in Artsakh are different. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that uh, this will go through? And if it does, then uh, what specifically, can you tell us again, what specifically what happens, uh, what the law or what the constitutional amendment entails.
2: Yeah, so I think there's something interesting to watch after the second reading and when it goes into vote. If you see that the opposition is also voting in favor of this, then that will tell us that this is about genuine wartime measures and the ability to appoint a new president if the current one is incapacitated. Uh, At the same time, if you see strong opposition from the actual opposition in the government in Artsakh, then that might be an indicator that there is uh, something more internally political at play here. Uh, I can't speak to the validity of either of those claims. I think as the second reading comes on and as the debates in parliament go on, I think we'll get a better understanding.
1: Right. Gev, let's also talk about this ridiculous invitation or demand or whatever by Azerbaijan, by Aliyev, saying that the next meeting should be in Baku and the topic should be integration. We have heard various different political forces in Artsakh react to this uh, very negatively. Even Pashinyan, in his press conference earlier last week, said that there is no guarantee of even basic things such as the security of any delegation from Artsakh to go to Baku. And also, the predetermined agenda would be very problematic for our stuff. What do you thoughts from the being on the ground and dealing with sort of you know talking to different political circles? Is there any appetite in Artsakh to acquiesce to this step?
2: To be honest, I don't think there's any appetite because there's no certainty. And one, uh, I think the the premise is completely fraught. But outside of that, there's no certainty in terms of what happens to that delegation. And and I want to go into a couple of fronts on this. One, at the same time that the Azerbaijani government is saying anyone that's been involved in the Artsakh defense forces, which would mean much of the leadership of Artsakh currently today, and that would include many of the people that would be going to Baku under, you know, this scenario, they would be considered terrorists to Azerbaijan, which would open them up to do whatever they want. Secondly, if you guys remember, there's times when there were soccer matches going on in Baku and Azerbaijan couldn't guarantee the safety of somebody like Henrik Mkhitaryan, who was the soccer player, right? Uh, How are they going to guarantee the safety of the political representation of Artah? And two, and this is an interesting point that I want to point out. There is a chance that these folks go in this false scenario. These folks go to Baku. And maybe the government itself isn't the one that keeps them from leaving. Maybe in the same way that they've put on this sham blockade here, they have a sham action in Azerbaijan saying, well, the people of Azerbaijan are now blockading the hotel right. or blockading the entrance or not letting, not letting the representation of Artsakh come back to Artsakh, right? Uh, they're very creative in these shams that they create. So I think going onto their home turf and letting them dictate the playing field is absolutely a no-go. And I think that the you know, government of Artsakh is on the same page
0: give maybe you guys should send Samvel Babayan to Baku uh, to talk about food water and shelter and see what happens
2: yeah for those folks that are very like insistent
0: on on
2: you know dialogue producing like some positive outcome with aliyev
1: maybe they should be the
2: first to consider. <laughs> right
1: considering that uh, babayan was uh, seemed to be talking from the heart of aliyev during the last month in terms of integration maybe <laughs> uh I don't know. Let's, let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, uh, the, <laughs> well, that, that was,
0: okay, so that was meant as a joke. COVID.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I'm going to get like, I'm going to get random cars pull up tomorrow morning. They... <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah. One last thing I would say about this proposal is that the parliamentary forces, that means all, including the ruling party, they issued a statement, a call to Armenia and to the world, to you know, to Armenian leaders specifically, to not overlook the 1992 statement by all parliamentary members unanimously, which was then signed off by the head of the Supreme Council. Council, yeah, yeah, Council of Armenia at that time, where you know, where the Armenian leadership should not adopt any position, should not adopt any international agreement that would violate the rights of self-determination for Artsakh. So the Parties in Artsakh, they all unanimously asked Armenia to observe its own laws, Mm -hmm. and they also highlighted that the only negotiation with Baku can happen under internationally transparent mechanisms involving the OSC Minsk group, which I think is the right format. But to which Azerbaijan basically said, uh, you know, we're not going to involve any international organization in our negotiations with Stepanakir because it's an internal matter. So it seems like things are very much at a standstill or I would say at a Crisis? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anything to add uh, to that,
0: Gibb? One thing I want to mention is that they don't specifically mandate that the OSCEMG be the international organization. I think they said in some kind of an international platform, such as the MG.
2: Yeah. I think that an international format or platform is absolutely vital. And that should be the starter for any such conversations because currently we have a trilateral agreement. And that trilateral agreement stipulates that. Azerbaijan uh, leave this road open and unhindered, and that's something that they're not following to. So having a strong international format that they need to be accountable for in any discourse moving forward is an absolute necessity.
0: Okay, thanks, Kev. Stay well for today. We'll talk to you soon again. Sounds
2: good, guys. Good touching base. Good night.